The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The most important thing about your business could be how your products are packaged. Packaging is the signature that you leave everywhere, and it speaks volumes about who you are and what you do. This is Ditch the Box with David Marinak. In today's show, we'll talk about marketing, increased sales, and how it relates to product packaging. Have you explored alternatives like flexible packaging? You should. It can save your company a bundle. Now, here is David Marinak. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Ditch the Box, the marketing slash flexible retail packaging slash how to build your brand radio show. I'm David Marinak, your host. As you know, our show is about marketing and flexible retail packaging with a few other related topics in between, such as how to build your brand, dealing with major retailers, and even supply chain. Today's guest is Lisa Griffiths. Lisa is not only a friend of the program, but a friend of our business and a personal friend. She's got a great background of perseverance, determination, and success that all of us will benefit from hearing about. Lisa has started and is growing her awesome little company, That Nutty Redhead, which we'll hear about a little bit later in the show. But as we always do, we want to learn about the person behind the brand, the person making things happen, and what makes her tick. So Lisa Griffiths, welcome to the show. Thank you, David. It's great to be here. We've talked a long time about having you on the show, and we finally made it happen. And I apologize that you have a headache, but we're going we're gonna to try our best to kind of cruise through this and make that headache go away. So um, we'll have plenty of time I'm to talk about Yeah, you got it, sister. So we want to talk a little bit about the Nutty Redhead, of course. We'll have plenty of time for that. But we want to go a ways back to discuss some stops along the way. You're originally from Pennsylvania. Can you tell us a little bit That's more about that? That's right. Excuse me. Uh, I was born in Pennsylvania, and uh, I am the uh, granddaughter of an Irish coal miner. My ancestors hail from Dublin, and uh, I was always very interested in uh, my family roots ever since my uh, grandmother showed me a picture of my grandfather, who was a quartermaster sergeant in the Civil War. Uh, I was in grade school at the time, and she showed me this wonderful picture and started to tell me the story, and I thought that was fascinating. And I asked her if she had any other old photos, and she pulled out a box of photos, and I got acquainted with my Victorian ancestors, and uh, that was really a turning point for me. That's instrumental in everything I've done since. So you're looking at these photos, and you just you were there was something there that kind of connected with you in 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 a in kind of a visceral way, if you will, right? Yes, yes. Uh, I, I had a very difficult childhood. And for me, I felt a connection to them that I didn't feel in right. uh, my, my current situation at home. You know, it's, it's interesting. It's so, many, so many of us have kind of um, looked back in those days. I, too, had a really whacked up um, um, childhood. But my relationship with my grandparents was probably even better than my own family. And, um, and it sounds like you had kind of a really cool setup with yours, right? Definitely, definitely. 
And and what was it about that era that that you connected with? I mean, have you ever really thought about that? I mean, you've kind of parlayed this into this this. It's not just a casual interest. You've kind of like really parlayed this into a career, if you will. I mean, yes. what was it that really connected you? Uh, I, I asked myself that many times. I I, <clears throat> I don't know if it's a, a several factors. Uh, perhaps uh, seemingly was uh, a gentler time period. Yep. Things weren't so rushed and hectic. Yep. People knew their neighbors. Uh, families were generally closer. It was just, I, I, it's hard for me to put it into words exactly, but I was drawn to it because it brought me comfort. You know, it's neat that you said that because I, you know, there are times, I don't know if your kids have ever asked you, but I, I, I've, ours have asked me, you know, if you could go back in a time machine or whatever it mm-hmm. is. and. And I would, and that you that you hit something that really kind of stuck out with me. It was a simpler time. It was, you know, you left your doors unlocked. Your neighbors looked out for each other. Um, you you got along with your neighbors, and if you didn't get along, you fixed it. You worked it out. Um, right. And and you're right. It was such a a calmer, quieter time, and there was mm-hmm. different set of problems, different things that sure. were out there. But right. but if from a human side of things, it was a really really kind of cool time. Mm-hmm. And families helped each other. Right. Uh, many generations lived together, so you had a support system. That, you know, is something that I missed growing up and even in uh, my married life. That's yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting how kind of, uh, you know, it, it, our lives unfold in a certain way, and those are the things that really kind of stick with us. But, you know, it makes you a stronger person. Sure does. I will fit that. Every sure experience does. Has has brought me to where I'm at, and and uh, my my goal, and I'm sure we'll get to this towards the end, is to be able to uh, give back and help uh, other people that are going through difficult times uh, to let them know that uh, you know anything is possible. Anything, and you can totally you can make hang it in there. <laughs> yep, you got it. You just can't so, give up. So back in those earlier days, you were researching and learning about your heritage by visiting the local library. I mean, that was all pre-internet stuff, right? You really weren't, mm-hmm. oh, you yes. know, going online. You were at the local library. I was. I loved it, and it was it was my quiet place. It was peaceful. Right. Uh, I could I could escape uh, and go to different places and meet people and and learn about other cultures. It was just wonderful for me, and uh, it, you know, it was kind of funny because my my friends were all going to the mall on Saturday mornings and I wanted to go to the library <laughs> but neat. but that was for me you know I just had this intense desire to learn I was an avid reader reading was everything to me yeah. growing yeah. up and I still to this day I watch very little TV uh, I every chance I get if I am not working I am reading something whether it be online, um, something to do in the food business, or just self-improvement, learning about things. It's it's just so important to me. You know, it's interesting, and and I'm I'm totally kind of like um, going off a beaten path here, but... Um, or a different track, I should say. The the thing that a lot of us that have kind of come up with a with a checkered past, a checkered past, a rough upbringing, whatever it is, the the love of reading and the library um, is that safe place that so many of us can kind of escape to. Um, there could be turmoil and complete bedlam everywhere, and we're not. It's not a show mm-hmm. for this here, but. 
it is a great reminder of the importance of reading. And, and so many of us would use reading to escape, and it sounds like you did the same thing. Yes, yes. And I wanted to learn. I wanted to... I had dreams and, and hopes, and I, I definitely knew, even at a young age, that I wanted to have my own business. And sure. I, I, I feel that, that knowledge is everything, and it's so important to get that education. And uh, I didn't have an opportunity to uh, go on after high school uh, to get an education uh, due to financial reasons and family situations. So uh, it's so important to me, and, and it's so rewarding for me that my my children are are doing so well. Uh, my right. daughter, my oldest daughter, just graduated from graduate school, nice. and my oldest son graduated college. So it's, you know that's just been wonderful for me. Absolutely, that's the feather in the cap, and that means that you're it doing is. you've done all the right things. So let's stay a little bit more as we finish up this first segment. I, I know we're going to take a quick little break, but I really want to kind of um, just tie together. So you took your passion for this era, and then you started giving some talks and things about that, correct? Is that, is that yeah. how did that kind of come about? Well, what happened after I got interested in the Victorian and Edwardian era with the photos and uh, personal research, I began collecting antique clothing. I went to my first estate sale at the age of 15 and bought a pair of uh, antique gloves and handbag, and I was hooked. And I would continue to to go to estate sales and flea markets, um, secondhand shops, everywhere and anywhere that I could find things. I would take and save up my babysitting money, and that was my hobby. And uh, I amassed quite a wonderful collection over the years. And uh, in 2002, I started a ladies' tea society back in Pennsylvania. A lot of my friends, we were all young mothers raising our children, and we really didn't have an opportunity to get out and do much of anything except go to the grocery store and go to the pediatrician and, you know, it was hectic. And I felt that, I felt that there was a need to connect as women, uh, and, and to mentor each other without having to go to a specific type of a party where you had to be obligated to purchase something. And you know what I'm saying? So, uh, started the peace society and, uh, it it was a tremendous success. At one point we had, uh, 54 members. (laughs) <laughs> and I would host them every month in my home. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. So, oh, uh, man, you are so cool. Well, we got to take a quick break, great. but I want to make sure that we kind of continue down this road because it really sets the table for the nutty yeah. redhead down the road. So, folks, we're going to be right back with Lisa Griffiths. Stay tuned. Again, we'll be right back. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. 
Do you love to travel? Now, that's a silly question, isn't it? Who doesn't love to travel? Join Lindsay T. Boyd, a.k.a. The Dreamweaver, for Travel Time. A professional travel agent, Lindsay will spotlight the world of travel. From maps and other travel tools to make your trips easier, to your rights as a passenger, to different aspects of travel, such as sports, faith, or experiential vacations. Travel Time with Lindsay T. Boyd, Dreamweaver, airs live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Ditch the Box with David Marinak. If you would like more information about our program, send David an email to david at standuppouches.net. That's david at standuppouches.net. Now back to Ditch the Box. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Ditch the Box. Talking with our friend Lisa Griffiths from That Nutty Redhead. Still learning a little bit more about her background. So, Lisa, your maternal great-grandparents co-owned a Pennsylvania candy company called Swanky. So tell us a little bit about that, because it really kind of sets the stage as you kind of go off into your little world of, of, uh, of the Nutty Redhead and some other things. So tell us about Swanky and what you learned about that. Well, they had a little uh, home candy business called Swanky Chocolates. It started in my grandmother's kitchen, very much like what, what I've done. Right. And it was a way that uh, they could uh, sump- supplement the family income. Uh, as I said earlier, my uh, grandfather was a coal miner, and uh, he was getting up in age, and they had a major disaster in uh, Pennsylvania with the coal mines where the... Um, it was flooded. They were mining too close to the river. It's uh, called the Knox Mine Disaster. So that put the mining uh, out of business in that area, and he was getting up in age and in poor health. So they were looking for something else that they could do to supplement, and they started this candy business. And it was predominantly chocolates. Uh, I remember they, they had it for probably a good decade, and they would just uh, sell to the local businesses, of course, Christmas and Easter were their busy sure. holidays. Right. And my family always had a love of, of cooking and baking. I remember my great-grandmother made practically everything homemade. So from the time I could see over the kitchen table, uh, I was helping her make cookies and pies. And, you know, just uh, thankfully we lived uh, just down the street. So I spent a lot of time with my grandmother uh, during my elementary school years. And uh that made an impression on me, too, that uh, sure. this love of cooking and the fond remembrances I had in her kitchen and knowing that the family had this business. Unfortunately, when my grandfather died, my grandmother and my aunt couldn't keep it up, and they sold it. Uh, I would have loved to have gone into it had it still been in existence. Uh, so that was something that uh, inspired me when uh, I was looking uh, to start the second chapter of, of my uh, life after my divorce, and I knew I wanted to get back into the food business. I didn't want to get into the full catering, right. because back in 2004, I had a terrible uh, fall down half a flight of stairs uh, in my old home, and I broke a bone in my back, the L5. So uh, that And you were still in me. Pennsylvania at that time? 
I was in Pennsylvania, yeah. Okay. So got that it. limited me to the catering. I, sure. I couldn't carry heavy trays and lift and, and do a lot of the things that I had been doing. And I've always liked nuts as a snack. Uh, I would eat a lot of raw nuts, and raw is, is the best as far as health standpoint. But right. sometimes I wanted something a little bit more of a snack and a, something different. And the only thing I could find uh, were fried uh, nuts, fried nut snack cooked in oil type of uh, things. And I didn't want to get into that because of some of the health concerns. Uh, and there wasn't anything, David, in the middle of the road. And I felt that there was a niche, a need that was being unmet. And I remember uh, pulling out my grandmother's cookbook one night. Uh, it was a cookbook that she owned, not that she had written, uh, Ella May. And she was, um, you know, her children ran the, the candy company. And I was just flipping through her uh, cookbook. It's from the uh, early 1900s. And in the candy chapter, she had some of the candies marked with an X. Uh, recipes, and there was a recipe for burnt almonds, and that's what they were referred to back in the uh, late 1800s, early 1900s, and it was a candied almond, similar to a praline, uh, but without all the dairy and the added calories, and for me, that was a defining moment because I realized, yes, that's, it, it was just, you know, I don't want to say a sign, but I just felt confirmation yeah, right, right. that I was on the right track, and here's the recipe, and I do want to carry on what my family started, and it all just seemed to come full circle for me. And you had, all right, so I just want to make sure that we, we set the table, because as you're describing this, I can, I can, you know, I don't know about you, but it's really strange. Smells, for example, if I walk into some, I don't care whether it's a restaurant or somebody's home or something like that, and if you smell that, um, it's something that kind of takes me back to my grandmother's kitchen. Um, mm-hmm. Something that takes me back to, I don't care whether it's just, it just, and I can totally hear it in your voice when you're describing the little candy store, a little candy company in their kitchen. I mean, I could smell that, that yeah. sort of, you know, and I, I've never been there, but I could smell it. I could hear it in your voice, right? Um, oh, it's it's so cool. And, and it's, I could hear it. Smell it. When you hit the front porch before she even opened the door, you could really? smell what my grandmother was baking. <laughs> oh man, that's just fantastic! That's yeah. when it just it totally hits so close to home. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was great. I mean, she really <laughs> has no idea what she did for me yeah. um, growing up, and I, I just you know so sentimental about it. And I just yeah. am so excited and honored that I'm able to you know somehow carry on a little carry bit. Carry it on. Yeah. Of that with what I'm doing today. So you started at, at that point, you, you kind of, like you said, whether it was a sign or whether it's just something that connected or you, you could kind of, you know, um, you decided to kind of go down this road of these, these burnt almonds, as they were called. Um, was that still Pennsylvania at that point? You were still going to, you're going to kind of give this, the, the almond kind of a little bit of a whirl. Tell us a no, little bit more about that. No, that, that wasn't in Pennsylvania. Okay. Um, I'm, um, Met my business partner and yep. life partner, John Grant, yep. in 2010, and we moved to Rockport in 2011. And uh, was, I was That's Rockport, Massachusetts, right? Rockport, Massachusetts, that's correct. Okay. I call it my healing place. Yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely wonderful. It's uh, right at the ocean, and it's, it's just been wonderful uh, for me and my healing and, and everything that, that I had gone through. Uh, after my divorce, and uh, I, I'll be honest, David, I, I had 
really hit rock bottom after the divorce. It was extremely difficult emotionally. Uh, I just just kind of fell apart. And uh, moving up here and being with John, uh, he's just been such a source of strength and support for sure. me. Uh, n- never thought I'd, I'd, I'd meet somebody like that. He's he's just been phenomenal. And we started brainstorming because uh, he knew I wanted to have my own business again. I wanted to get back into the food business. So we put our heads together, and I started to research uh, about the food laws in Massachusetts and what it would take to set up a business. And uh, it took him all of two seconds to come up with the name That Nutty Redhead Right. <laughs> when we decided we were going to do the uh, kettle-steamed praline nuts. So that was kind of fun. And that's because of my fun-loving nature. Uh, But we started in 2013. It was October 19th, I remember distinctly. We started selling officially at the Rockport Harvest Fest. Uh, That Nutty Redhead made her debut, and we did very well. Good. For a brand-new product, uh, we did very well. And that, that was the start, and it's so far been an amazing, wonderful ride. And at that point, that um, Rockport um, Fest, you've, you, you had one flavor, two flavors. What, what did you have at that point? We, uh, we, had, we had four flavors. Okay. And we had just a little gift type of a cellophane bag with ribbons because sure. we were starting from scratch. <laughs> right, right. And, uh, you know, it was all food grade, but it was, you know, it was where you start. And, uh, and we were grateful. And, you know, we went ahead with it. And... We started then selling to uh, area farmers markets all over our area of Massachusetts in the uh, the Northeast, and we were in business nine months when a forager from uh, Linfield Whole Foods came upon our table, and I had no idea. Uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say names, but I'm very grateful uh, to Karen Harrington. Yeah, and, sure. Uh, she came along and. Um, she tried them, and she really liked them, and I was really shocked when she finally told me who she was. And uh, So at that said, point, you had no idea who she was? No, no. She just came wow. over the table, and she said, uh, you know, what do you have here? And uh, I started to tell her, and she had um, Michael Allison, the culinary specialist there at Whole Foods. He was along yeah. with her. And they tasted them. They asked me about how I started, just like what you're asking me. And yeah, then right. they they said who they were, and they said, we absolutely love these. Um, we would like to put these in the store. And I was just <laughs> speechless. I was <laughs> just, what? <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, I was I was blown away. I really was. And, and I've just, you know, it's it's, like I said, been an amazing, wonderful, incredible ride through it all. Uh, so, of course, uh, that is easier said than done because right. uh, with with Whole Foods um, you have to meet their um, criteria for ingredients, which we did hands down. Right. Uh, right. We're we're pure food, uh, very simple ingredients, natural. Uh, but also, uh, I needed the proper packaging, and that now, David is yeah. you and I met. <laughs> yes, that is correct. But one of the things I don't want to kind of bounce over is you've got a very unique um, setup. You boil. Uh, or do you steam? What do you steam, tell us a little bit plus. more about that? Mm-hmm. Because it's a softer nut. It is. It's it's a very unique process. Uh, they are kettle steam cooked. I do yeah. not use any oil. The only oil that's in the nut is the natural oil in the nut itself. We 
right now are doing almonds and cashews only. Uh, I'm happy to say we are gluten-free, we're vegan, natural, we don't use corn syrup, uh, no peanuts, no dairy, no eggs, we don't have MSG, no soy, no oil, no artificial flavors, preservatives, colors, no curlamide, and no trans fat. So I like to refer to them as a healthier comfort food. Correct. uh, Something that's a little better for you than than some of the other options that are on the shelf. And, of course, uh, with that, you're getting the protein, the fiber, and the nutrition. I didn't want to do the fried nuts, as I said. Uh, So I... Well, you would have um, been a Me Too company. You would have been just like everybody else. I would have been like everybody else, yes. I did want to set myself apart, but, but predominantly it was the health aspect. Right. That was what was driving me. Uh, so, again, I researched. I found a company that uh, makes this uh, specific machine to do this process for me, and uh, we got that, and we were up and running, and the next thing I know, Whole Foods comes along. So uh, the next step was, okay, how do I secure packaging, professional packaging? And I didn't just want any packaging. I wanted the best packaging I wanted packaging that was eco, e-friendly, you know, the, the, um, sure. what would you call it? Eco-friendly. Is that correct? Yeah. You can call uh, it that environmentally friendly, yeah. recycling, environmental, landfill exactly. friendly. Sure. Right. Yep. That's what I wanted. That was important to me because the environment matters too. And, uh, you know, I was, I've got on the internet, I was looking around and, uh, ordered, uh, another company wasn't pleased with it. And, uh, so a, kept checking around, and lo and behold, thankfully, I came across uh, you on the Internet, David, with StandUpPouches.net. And what really intrigued me about your company, um, as far as, you know, quality, you guys are amazing. And I love that you're, you know, friendly to the environment and all of that and professional, gorgeous packaging. But really what sold me to kind of check you out, I saw you doing these shows. And you were on, you know, with videos, and you were explaining your product. You were getting right down in there. You were one-on-one with the customer. I, I felt this um, element of, that I could trust what you were saying. You were willing to back up your product and stand there with it, and as I love to do at my demos. And, you know, you just you just came across as, as somebody I wanted to do business with. And I'll tell you... Um, you're the best man. <laughs> well, it's I appreciate yeah. you saying that, and it's and it's really cool because we work together on this. We're we're in this together, and so we are. so often, um, you know, one of the things we try to share with with um, potential clients, actual clients, is and I've said this in videos and on these shows is um, tell your supplier what you need. You know, just don't be afraid to put out there what is it that you really want to have happen. Um, what is it that you really, and you had some specific things that you wanted to have done and you wanted some colors to be a certain way and you wanted it to look a certain way. And, um, you know, is this even remotely possible? My point is, is that you had no problem sharing what you were looking for and together we made it happen. And it's together. It's not right. one, it's not me. It's it's together we made it happen. And, yep. um, you know, you had the courage to put out there going, hey, you know what, my whole life, and I think you even said something along this, I'm just going to come right out and say it because this is the way I've kind of survived and this is who I am. I'm just going to tell you, this is what I want. This is what I need. Is this even remotely possible? And and together we made it happen. And, and that's what's really cool. So folks, as a reminder, 
Um, you know, trust your packaging um, supplier. It doesn't have to be us, but trust them. Tell them what you want. Ask them, is this remotely possible? So often, Lisa, I think you'll agree, so often these companies kind of look at it as a, it's not a partnership. It's a, it's a I'm, I'm, you know, I'm here, you're there. And, but when you yeah. look at your suppliers as a partner, um, and yeah, that doesn't mean you always get along and it doesn't mean everything's always perfect or you're not going to have problems, but you're a partner. And when the supplier feels like a partner and you feel like a partner, you're willing to kind of share these things. And that's kind of how we got your stuff done and how you've, you've gotten to where you're at is, is just kind of putting it out there and saying, I'm just going to make this happen. Right. One way or another. And we that, did it. That's right. <laughs> And so I this, just want to add that yeah, I love sure. that you have small runs. You're one, you know, in the business, you have, uh, I believe, maybe the, the smallest runs that, that can be yeah. purchased, which is significant for a young startup business like myself. Uh, you know, that really made, that could make or break you, and that made me. That gave me the opportunity to see this dream come alive, and I am so grateful for that. Uh, I appreciate that. And and yes, it is kind of a calling card for us because so many of these other companies that are out there, um, you know, yeah, everybody loves big orders and we do too and we can run them. But so many people want to start with a ridiculous minimum run that, that a company like yours or even a big company that wants to test new flavors or try new versions sure. or test new products, they don't want to buy 50,000 pieces. They want to see if this is even going to work. Um, Absolutely. And, yeah, and, and Whole Foods, you know, and you know this as well as anybody, Whole Foods rarely is going to order something throughout their entire chain initially. Um, they're going to order that in a region or maybe a couple of stores, and you have to work your way through. So they're testing right. as well, you know. So they're not going to yeah. make a, a truckload container order right out of the gate. They're going to test and, and test and test. That's right. So it's, it's a wonderful thing. Well, let's stay a little bit more about, and I wanted to kind of go in a little bit more about the Tin Man. That's your steamer that you were talking about, this yes. piece of equipment, right? <laughs> Tell us about the Tin Man. That's right. Uh, the Tin Man. Well, he got his name because I uh, also have uh, a deep interest in steampunk, which is the, the new Victorian yeah. uh, style. It's a back-to-the-future kind of style. We, we mix the Victorian Edwardian era with futuristic things, and, and you get steampunk, and uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. It, it's fashion. It's um, furniture. It's all types of um, design, art. Well, you did, a, you did a book on that, right? Because that was one of the – tell us a little bit more about that. Because John, John, your life partner, John, is, a, yeah. is an author and photographer, right? So together you guys That's put this, this, this book out there. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes, yes. Uh, the book was released in uh, 2012. It's called International Steampunk Fashions. It was the first hardcover book in that international fashion genre released by Shipper Publishing. Uh, John did all of the uh, photos uh, as far as getting them camera ready for the publisher. I had right. wonderful photographs from all over the world, everything from uh, fashion models to artists, uh, Makers, just some of the top names in the steampunk business. I, I was honored to showcase their work. The book was not about me whatsoever. I just right. had the opportunity uh, to compile all of this talent and just uh, get it out there for people to enjoy. It's it's almost uh, it's a coffee table size book. And, sure is. Yeah. Uh, it's it's almost 
it's been referred to as a vogue of steampunk because there are beautiful, uh, large, glossy page photos, and we have some uh, biographies of, of some of the wonderful folks and what they do in steampunk. So uh, John, of course, is my slogan guy, and he's he's just amazing with the stuff he comes out with, but he coined the term the Tin Man when this big contraption came into the house, <laughs> and of course, because it steams the nuts instead right. of frying them, we have dubbed him the Tin Man. So <laughs> that's how that Now, started. how many nuts can you do at a time when you're doing this? Because I know they're not massive batches, but they're also not tiny. I mean, you're, tell us a little bit about the, the Tin Man and, and how, that, how that piece of equipment even works. Well, he, um, it depends on the order, really. Um, okay. We make everything to order. We, things are not just sitting around. Uh, so, you know, we get an order in and we start cranking that thing and we make them fresh. Uh, we can do, uh, easily three cases an hour, which is, okay. uh, 36 packages. That's the eight ounce size. Okay. Uh, so, you know, that's like 24 cases in an eight hour day or, uh, approximately 288 half pound units. So, uh, you know, if we do that 10 hours, we can crank out even more. <laughs> So, uh, you know, and that's with just one machine and myself and John. Uh, you right. know, we, we are looking to scale up, and, uh, you know, we would love to be uh, in a facility with, say, 10 machines. Then we could be putting out about 3,000 packages a day, you know, 15,000 uh, for a five-day week. That would be sweet. <laughs> yeah, and you're and you're going to get there. I mean, that was one of the oh, kind of yeah. ties into my next question. I mean, you have a real knack for putting a goal or a dream out there and then working to make it happen. I mean, you know, where? How do you? How do you know? For a lot of our listeners, they're they've been where you're at. Uh, or they they've been where you've been, uh, or they're at where you've been, I should say. And yes. <laughs> and and again, it's that perseverance. It's that it's that it's uh, overcoming struggle and hardship. I mean, you know, how do how do you? What have you done to kind of make it through these these difficult times and to make it through the challenging times? I mean, something is in you that just says, "I'm just not going to quit, and I'm not going to stop until I get what I want." Uh, and I don't mean get what you want as in that mm-hmm. kind of, but to get where you want to go, I should say. So, so share with us, because I mean, it's a personal part of who you are. Sure, sure. Uh, there's, there is something inside of me that, uh, from very, very young, has caused me to just keep, keep going. Um, right. At that time, I wasn't quite sure what it was. Uh, not to sound cliche, but again, I think of my ancestors. They had a very difficult life as, as coal sure miners. Did. Sure did. Uh, my great grandfather's father was a breaker boy, which means he was picking slate out of the coal chute at seven years old wow. before they had child labor laws. They, they lived by the company store, which was ruthless. Uh, they were owned, basically. It was, it was so difficult, and I watched right. my family go through a lot of struggles and hardships to make a better life for their children and their yep. grandchildren. Yep. And in the same way, uh, my children inspire me. I want to do better. I want to be better for their sake. Uh, and also, what keeps me going, David, is because I've been through so much, right. I know what it's like to hit rock bottom. I know what it's like to feel like you want to give up. I, I know those discouraging days, but I want people to realize that, you know, if I can get through them, they can too. 
I've come to realize over the past few years that nothing lasts forever. Right. Everything is temporary. Things sure can is. change in a minute. So even your worst day, it's not going to last. Hang right. in there. It gets better. And yes, you have to put in a lot of hard work and sweat. It's, it's not something that just comes to you. You know, they say every overnight excess is 10 years in the making. I yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. You don't know what people go through behind the scenes, but, you know, it, it's been a struggle. But what drives me now, like I said, um, to tr- encourage my children uh, is to be a voice for uh, not just other women, anyone, male or female, that's, that's going through some difficult times and trying to uh, find their place in life or start a business. Right. But, but specifically, my heart does go out to uh, women who were uh, abused as children or went through domestic abuse like myself. Uh, I, I really want to be someday a spokesperson for them, and I, I really want my success to, to be that platform uh, that I can go out and help encourage other women and hopefully even be in the financial position someday where uh, I can help financially mentor someone else starting out in a business. It's very difficult uh, in a situation like mine with the divorce uh, you can't get a bank loan. Right. So where do you go? Right. You have to re- you have to rely on friends and family. Right. Uh, and in my case, I didn't have family that was supportive, uh, but I have the best, most awesome friends in the world, and I've had That's a lot of right. great, wonderful people help me along the way. And I believe a hundred percent in giving that back and paying it forward. That's just the kind of person I am. So that, I guess, is what drives me and gets me through because we're all in this together. And I'm just trying to help somebody else. You know, it's so easy to, to, um, and you would touch on a lot of stuff. It's so easy for us to focus on what's wrong and it's bad or it's horrible. And um, you've just been an inspiration for a lot of people, myself included, that just kind of like, no matter how tough it is, you just, you get up every day. The sun's going to come up again tomorrow, um, and we're going to keep grinding, and we're going to keep plugging. Um, you know, there's a lot more to it than, like you, say, like you said before, you know, nothing really stays forever. Um, there always is a brighter day tomorrow. There's a way to yeah. kind of continue to kind of keep plugging forward. And I remember back when you were mentioning the early days back in Pennsylvania, you guys had a, 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 a license to cook in your kitchen, and all of a sudden, the, the glorious uh, state of Pennsylvania said, no, you can't yeah. do that anymore. And then you guys had to kind of all of a sudden, and that kind of was one of those things, and, and there's a reason why I'm going there, because I remember one of the things I read about you is that you had said in one of those articles, you know, you should always do your homework before starting a food business. Um, yeah. and, and I think that was a, it's a great reminder for a lot of our, our young business uh, owners or those that are thinking about it. Because it kind of, you had kind of like this zig or zag. It was, most people, Lisa, would have just said, oh, the hell with it. I'm going to go work at Target because I'm, I'm just not meant to do this. You said, well, the, get, me a, get me a state that has this and allow me That's to, right. let me find a state that can do it. So, so stay with that right. for a second. Massachusetts was the state. Right. 
But again, really do your homework before starting a food company is, is a great piece of advice for a, for a lot of us out there um, because there are rules and regulations that are on you know page 87 on some pamphlet somewhere mm-hmm. that you would never know unless you really dig yeah. in there and, 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 and learn, for, learn about it. That's true, and I'm still learning so much. There's so much to learn. I, I didn't foresee that Pennsylvania was going to change the laws uh, right. three years into my catering business, but it happened, and uh, they required a commercial kitchen, and I was not in any financial uh, position to do that uh, and didn't have the support to do it otherwise. Sure. So, uh, you know, that's when I started to do uh, the Victorian fashion lectures, which I did for 10 years. Uh, which I thoroughly enjoyed, uh, and uh, and then finally fast forward, uh, moving up to Massachusetts uh, with John, and realizing our dream here. And again, he is also instrumental in this going forward. He's the wind beneath my wings, as they say, and uh, he also has a determination that I admire. And uh, I know between the two of us, we are going to. Um, bring this to fruition, and we have a lot of uh, great, great plans in the next year and then down the road in the next five years that we want to implement. You know, you had said something, I think it's interesting, the, um, if, if we have, if we have the right purpose, uh, or, you know, you'd mentioned about having a platform, and, and you hope, and I believe you will, uh, be able to really kind of make a difference in other people's worlds who have gone through or, you know, um, similar circumstances. The point I'm getting at is that um, you just, you, when you have that purpose, that burning desire to make a difference, a positive way for other people, I just think the world opens up to that. I just think there's all of a sudden these 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 little things that come out of nowhere, like, wow, I didn't think, you know, and, and people you meet and, and those mm-hmm. that'll help you and I mean, I totally see that happening for you because it's just it, – it, you've said that since the day I met you. Um, these it, it are the kind of happen. things that drive I mean, me. I mean, it, it has happened already, and I'm, I'm so grateful. Every day I tell people how grateful I am uh, for the um, open doors that I've, I've gotten. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I look forward to, you know, what's to come. And that's part of it, too. You have to look forward to yep. the future. You have to be excited about – you know, don't worry about what might go wrong. The saying is, think about what might go right. Correct. And it's exciting. And right. uh, Don and I also recently uh, had a, uh, a request. We do a community access program called All Things Victorian. And uh, last year we won a first place uh, national award for our episode called The Queen's Kitchen, which was a cooking <laughs> episode, which so I absolutely cool. love doing. <laughs> and we were... Um, talking with uh, Cape Ann TV, and they would love if we could raise funding to do a pilot for the Queen's Kitchen, which is underwritten by that nutty redhead, so yep, great cross-marketing. Yep. There you go. And uh, they said that they would then present it to PBS or um, the Food Channel, uh, you know, and these other um, networks and uh, see if there was any interest. So who knows where this can go, David? I'm ready. <laughs> you know, and, and again, it, it's a great tie-in because we're going to really kind of branch off into your marketing world because I've never really met anyone as tenacious about promoting and plugging and connecting with people about their business, about what they've done, where they're going. You know, I've seen you all over Facebook and LinkedIn. You know, 
what social marketing tools and things have been effective for you and your company as we kind of start to dig into marketing? We're talking about that cable access a little bit ago, but what other things um, do you do you have you found success with uh, regarding social media? Well, I do have to give credit where credit's due. John is my social marketing guru. He's he's just he really gets it all out there. I I do what I can do with my time. I'm usually sure. the one in the kitchen, but right. he's been phenomenal to do that. Uh, but I do, I did spend a lot of time, uh, well, we have the Facebook page, of course. I did spend a lot of time uh, trying to stay active on Twitter, uh, which was very beneficial because I was told that um, the foragers from Linfield Whole Foods uh, saw my tweet and said, hey, there's this woman called that nutty redhead and these this this sounds interesting, this product, let's go check her out. And thankfully, on our website, John was putting all of our schedules up, where we demo, uh, where we go to the farmer's market. So they went and they they looked us up. So that was kind of cool. And I've had some wonderful, wonderful opportunities, great connections, great information on LinkedIn, uh, very, very encouraging uh, through LinkedIn. I can't uh, encourage that enough. Uh, and of course, I w- met uh, Next Level Summits. I, sure. I met um, sure. uh, Corey and Stuart, Stuart. Yeah. through LinkedIn. They contacted me, and uh, you and I finally met face to face this yep. recent May at their uh, Next Level Summit. It was the marketing summit, which was dynamic. Yeah. Uh, cool. Great stuff for anybody in the food business, food and beverage business. Uh, you know, packaging, advertising, all of that. Uh, so that's been great, but really, I guess you know, I'm I'm no social ex- marketing expert. I'm again have so much to learn, but we just try to get it out there every avenue we possibly can to let people know about this great product that we have. Uh, we just want people to experience it, and you know, I'm so happy to say, uh, once we get it in their mouths and they taste the flavor, breakfast oh, yeah. in New England. Tastes like yep. French toast, pancakes, and syrup on a nut. It is yep. crazy, and it's crazy good on ice cream. We just had uh, an ice cream parlor in Salem, Melt Ice Cream, pick up our product. We've chopped it up for them. They made us our signature ice cream flavor called Nutty Almond, <laughs> and that's been a lot of fun because for the past year, I've been trying to get our product into the ice cream sector because I have this excess. And I don't want to waste anything. Yeah, right. After we package our nuts, we, we get the whole pieces in the package. We have a lot of little bits. Yep. So we've been eating them, and we've been giving them to friends and family, and everybody's loving it. And I said to John, you know, we really should try to um, do something with these. And we were doing some fudge at Christmas, my grandmother's fudge recipe with the nuts, yep. which was great. But I said, you know, I think these would be amazing on ice cream. So we went, we got a, a quart of good vanilla ice cream and, and we started experimenting and oh my goodness. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I you can, can only ask imagine. Corey from Next Level Summit how good That's they right. are on ice cream because we tried them out there when we went uh, in California when we were out there in May. And he even said, you know, I didn't know what to expect. He said, but, oh, my gosh, these are amazing. I can't stop eating this stuff. And the other flavor we have is called New England Praline with sea salt. And it's a cinnamon bun flavor with a touch of sea salt. Again, they're great snacks on their own. That one I love throwing in a salad with some red cranberries. 
uh, balsamic vinegar. Uh, You can toss them on cereal. Uh, in yogurt with granola, make a trail mix. I was going to say yogurt is just a classic. With them. Yeah. yeah. Ice cream. I mean, that's the beauty of our product. It's not just a great, healthier for you nut snack that tastes delicious, but it's so versatile. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's so much we can do with it. And, and that opens up other options for uh, other products in our line. You know, it, it's it's interesting, and and I want to kind of make sure we, we touch on this, because you've been picked up by... Edible Boston, North Shore, even the Boston Globe, people that have noticed you. You talked a little bit about people finding you on Twitter. Um, how is it that you're getting, especially for those those very, very high-end publications, how are they finding you? Because now that you've got not just this, this healthier-for-you nut and snack, you've got the toppings business that is going to, I think, is definitely going to take off. I mean, how are they finding you? Honestly, David, I, I guess it's word of mouth. We have not Good. contacted anyone. They've contacted Excellent. us. Good. And, uh, again, I'm honored. Uh, I think, you know, one uh, article might lead to another, but people people are noticing, and, and I give John the credit for the brand name, and, uh, you know, we constantly like to throw the, the question out there, who is that nutty redhead? Right. People want to know. Right. That's the beauty of marketing. And we have such a distinct product that, yes, they do want to know who is that nutty redhead and what is a kettle steamed nut. And that has opened the door. And again, I'm just delighted and grateful. Yeah, that's really cool. I want to I want to continue on. I got a few more steps before we wrap up the show. But sure. crowdfunding you had you had a good experience with crowdfunding. Tell us a little bit about that. And 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 was it easy? Is it hard? Tell us a bit of what your experience was with that. Well, our personal experience for John and I, um, it was very challenging and very difficult. The crowdfunding, uh, we did a Kickstarter uh, campaign, and our first campaign did not make it. So by then you're, you're ready. You know, you think, okay, that's it. This must, this must be a sign. We should just quit while we're ahead, but made us even more determined that we were going to do this. We knew we had a good product. We knew that we were on the right track. Unfortunately with the crowdfunding, it helps if you have a really good solid um, network of family and friends that can um, not only pledge for you, but promote for you. And we had a very limited crowd when we started out. Uh, so I think that, we, you know, and I've even read uh, articles on the Internet after the fact, and they did say, you know, you should even start um, promoting before you even launch your campaign that you're thinking of doing this and get right. people on board with you and see who... Who's with you, you right. know, because it's intense. It's intense. You only have so much time, right. uh, and it sounds like a long time. We did a 30-day campaign, but it was grueling. You are literally, if you're not eating or sleeping or working, you are on the Internet trying to put your link out and contacting people and calling and emailing, and it was just intense. But so, you made uh, it happen. One, but you made it we, happen. We just missed the first one. We we were wow. only off by a small, small amount. So what we did, I am so grateful to the backers. 
what I did was uh, immediately John and I knew we were going to start this over again. So I contacted everyone that pledged, and I thanked them for their time and, and any amount of money, even $5 was amazing and, and wonderful for us because it adds up. Sure. And I asked them if they would be willing to repledge if we immediately launched another one. Originally, we were going for four flavors. We were trying to raise the packaging for four flavors. Uh, that was not enough. We just didn't, didn't come close. So we decided, John and I decided, we were going to go with the top two flavors and try to raise the packaging for that. But we wanted to find out if, if our backers were still going to stand with us, and they did. They were beautiful nice. people. They did, and we then set our goal for the two packages. We made the amount. Um, so we were able to, you know, go forward with that. Um, you know, there, there still were, were kinks and problems we, you know, were working through. Uh, but that enabled us to get our product uh, into the grocery stores. And we've picked up several other uh, grocery store chains nice. as well, uh, which, which I'm very grateful along the way. That is that is awesome. So as we kind of round third and head home with this show, I knew this was going to be fun, and I knew the time would fly by. So where do you see that nutty redhead in three to five years? Wow. <laughs> uh, oh, that's a deep three to one. five years. Yeah, this, it's exciting. I see that we are going to have a massive facility because we're going Good. to need it. Uh, I see that we will uh, be going into more regions of Whole Foods. Uh, we're in the North Atlantic region right now. Uh, I foresee that we will be nationwide. Uh, we're also in Market Basket. We will continue to uh, expand their regions. Uh, we're in Roche Brothers. We'd like to expand their regions. They're, um, they're our newest um, account that we picked up. I Good. also foresee that we're going to do a lot with the ice cream toppings. I yep. really see that exploding, David. Uh, and I'm excited about uh, the Next Level Summit in September. We're going sure. to be attending, and yep. that's a, a research and development uh, segment, and I'm looking forward to meeting uh, some of the big names in the ice cream industry. I'm going to sure. be taking lots of samples, and yep. I, I, I know it's just a matter of time. John and I, uh, the Passion Projects LLC, we do business. Our brand name is That Nutty Redhead. We're looking for the right partner. We're looking for someone that is as passionate about our product and sees the value of it and um, the opportunities for uh, the various um, brands of product that, you know, will be evolving. We're looking for that key person, and I know that person is out there. Absolutely. And we're not going to stop. You're going to get it. No, you won't. We're not going to stop until we find that key person. And you will, and Sunshine. It's, it's, I promise. Because no one, no one is more tenacious there. than you are. Hey, we got to wrap up today's show. I hope you'll come back, um, fill us Thank in you. on what's going on, and and, and kind of keep us up to up to speed with what's happening with the Nutty Redhead. Is that fair? Sounds great. Thanks again for joining us, Lisa. I'd like to thank you for listening. I'd like to thank Jamie Berling, my producer, executive producer, Winston Winnie-Price, and you for listening. Remember, packaging is the voice of your brand. It's the first thing consumers see. What is your packaging saying about your brand? Think about it. Until next time, everyone. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to Ditch the Box. We're live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, 
on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please join David Marinak for another great show next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.